Hey folks, welcome to episode 182 of the FLW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White. I'm joined by, as always, the one, the only, Kyle Wood. Ah, uh, yeah, man, we're back. Uh, yeah, actually, we were here last week, weren't we? Yeah, no, but we're back for another week. Yeah. and We're doing it again. I don't know what your plans are, but I feel like probably you're, we're back next week, too. Yeah, I think I I think so. So I think we're really back for the foreseeable future. Yeah, which is kind of surprising. Uh, yeah, surprisingly solid stretch for us. Um, but hey, we'll <laughs> take it, right? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyhow, we have uh, plenty of fishing to talk about today. Uh, mostly, we're going to talk about Grand Lake and uh, also talk about thirty million BFLs. Um, oh man, so many, <laughs> so many BFLs. <laughs> And uh, we might have some other stuff that comes up, but I think that's going to be the main focus. Uh, we've got interviews uh, on tap here with Christopher Jones, which actually already did that one. It was lovely. And also Jeff Sprague, who tied and lost the tiebreaker at Grand Lake. And I have not asked Sprague anything about it yet, but I am looking forward to asking him about it. And I'm also a little worried about asking him about it. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet I bet he's thrilled to talk about it. Yeah, I'm sure he's just tickled to death, uh, you know, to finish second by zero ounces. Um, and I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, but anyhow, uh, that being said, here are Chris Jones and Jeff Sprague. All right, and now we are joined by Christopher Jones, winner of the Southwestern Division Costa FLW Series event on Grand Lake. Uh Chris slash Christopher, man, uh, welcome to the show and congratulations on the win. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jody. It was a, it's an honor and privilege to be here. I mean, you know, it's a dream come true to finally conquer grain. You know, I've fished it for my whole life and, and, uh, I've done good up there, but I've never won a major event there. And that's, that's a dream come true to finally get that off my back. That's, that's for sure. And you, I want to, I want to talk about the fishing and how you caught them, but I want to first talk a little bit about that final weigh in. Um, did you know <laughs> when you weighed 1710 that you had tied Sprague by weight and had the tiebreaker or did you just think you'd like taken the lead by like an ounce? What was, what was that like? I actually thought I won by an ounce. When I shook, Sprague's hand, I actually thought I had won by an ounce because the way Ron announced it, I actually called him and actually uh, talked to him backstage, and he announced it correctly for y'all because he, you know, he, you know, he's used to it, but he announced it, Chris needs 17-10 to take the lead, but it was because of he already knew what the tiebreaker was that I would take the lead. That's how it was announced, and that's why I was so shocked whenever I found out that we tied. I was like, really? It was that close? You know, I mean, announce is close, but I mean, when you tie somebody for three days, that's amazing. You know, yeah, so I, I, it was just, it was my fortunate that I, I only caught four the first day, you know, and, and Jeff only caught two. So we both left the door open the first day, you know, but it was just, it was tough conditions. I mean, it was tough fishing. Yeah, I, I saw, it seemed like quite a few people had that exact same take that you did. And I was watching the weigh in back here, uh, cause I knew it was going to be tight and I wanted to, I wanted to see what happened. And as soon as you weighed in that 17, 1710 i was like oh man because i i had like pre-looked up the tiebreaker for some reason i don't even know why like i somehow knew it and i 
and I was, you know, watching the leaderboard, and I was like, oh, gosh. I wonder if, and I started thinking if I knew if anybody in front of you guys had caught fish. Uh, and, of course, it was right. a really tough final day. It was pretty much, you know, you and Jeff and Troy O'Rourke caught them, and not much not much right. else. Um, right. You know, and, and, and going out, and I honestly probably it made it a lot easier going out on the final day in fourth place. I was it was the perfect storm in all conditions, but, but the final day being in fourth place and I really didn't have no pressure on me at all because I was just fishing for the points and the better money. Cause I didn't think I had a chance to win unless I caught a mega bag, you know, because, uh, the two guys that were first and second, uh, both of them are, are, you know, they're just sticks on grand Lake and they catch them all the time. And Kurt, Kurt, you know, wins every team event there and Sheldon's just, guides and uh, you know he's a young guy but he's won a lot of stuff on grand for as young as he is you know does good i didn't think there would be any way they wouldn't catch 15 or 16 pounds with the warm nights we were having and you know i just thought it was the perfect storm they were one of them two was going to win and i and i thought i was fishing for second or third really well it definitely worked out um no doubt it worked out tell me about the fishing in that event and how you were catching your fish because I watched. I just watched your GoPro for the last day, and so I got to see you sling a spinnerbait around a bunch, and it was, it was, re- it really looked pretty awesome. Uh, especially, you know, your your kicker, and then, you know, what you caught one fish, and then you caught your kicker on like the exact next cast, and I can't wait for people to see that. But, um, uh, the first, you know, obviously day two you caught him pretty good, but day one was. A terrible for you to be honest it was a grind so tell me about it yeah day one i caught day one i caught four i had four bites and i caught four fish and i started in a little area that i started every morning and it was just a it was just a pocket that looked like every other pocket but there was shad in there and, and, and it's just a good springtime place and it wasn't very big and i and i was lucky enough and fortunate enough to catch one or two every day out of that place and, and it got my day rolling basically so to speak and i I caught the first day. I caught two, three and a half out of there in about the first forty-five minutes, and I couldn't get her bite. And I thought, well, I got two seven pounds. You know, I got two for seven pounds, and I got the rest of the day. All I got to do is get three more bites, and I just fished slow, and that really slowed me down. And I fished real thorough, and uh, and I caught uh, one more about noon, and then about three thirty, I rolled into Wolf Creek, and I had like a four o'clock weigh-in, and I rolled in there with like thirty minutes left, and I skipped a vibrating jigger underneath the dock. And uh, when I clicked the handle, like a three and a half had it, and I reeled her up and threw her in the boat, and we run away. And that was my four keepers that I had all day. I mean, that was it. And uh, they just wasn't biting. But the, what everybody don't realize when they look at weights, you know, the water temperature all spring has been in that 45 to 48. You might find 50 on a good sunny day. But, I mean, like the week leading up to it, it was, it was actually going the wrong way. It was going colder instead of getting warmer until about Tuesday. And then Wednesday we had some sunshine, and Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was all sun and warm nights, and and it was the perfect storm for them fish to start biting. And and Thursday those four fish I caught was all basically on the same kind of stuff structure, so to speak, and the docks were located in the same kind of areas in those creeks, which clued me into to fish more of that instead of fishing the whole creek. I fished exactly where I was catching them. And Friday. I took off and, and went to that same little area that I was fishing and, and got uh, two bites out of there again. But one of them was a pretty decent one, and the other one was just a keeper. And uh, But I ended up catching like 12 keepers Friday and uh, caught that big one on that 
same dock that you seen me catch that big one on Saturday. And uh, it, but I caught you know I caught a lot more fish Saturday Friday than I did three times as many probably than I did uh, Friday. Or I'm sorry, the first day of the event I caught them Friday more than I caught Thursday. You know, so it, I thought going out Saturday that I was going to be able to catch 15 to 20 pounds if everything went right, but I, I didn't think that I still had a chance to win because I thought I was going to be fishing for second or third, like I said, you know, so, uh, but those fish are, them fish are, are there, they're, but they just wasn't biting, and it was, it was the best scenario for a local that knew kind of the areas that I was fishing was the right ones because the guys was fishing through those areas and not getting bit during practice because of the water temperature. So, I mean, that was, it was, it, it happened, everything that happened was the best scenario. Okay, because I was looking at your uh, FLW history, and you've got, you know, some history around there, but is Grand, in your mind, are you a super local on Grand Lake, or or no, not? Cause no, I, I, mean, I kind of no. I kind of look at your history, and you've caught them all over the place. You've caught them on Rayburn, you've caught them, uh, you know, at Lake of the Ozarks, like, that whole southwestern central region, like, it, it seems like that's yeah. where I know you from. Right, you know, I made a top ten at Kentucky Lake, and I made the, you know, I made the cup last year at Table Rock. I just I fish a lot, you know, and and it just it's one of my lakes that I fish a lot of. But I just it seems like I, I've caught them really good in practice, mega bags up there. But it's something has always happened, and I didn't make the right adjustments during the tournaments. And this was just the one one day that you know the three or four days that I made the right stuff, and the fish come to the areas that that I thought they should be in. You know, it was just. Uh, made the right choices, what I can say. All right, can you uh, kind of delve in a little on that spinner bait? Because a lot of people, I don't know, I feel like spinner baits are a little bit of a forgotten technique, and you know they still catch a lot of fish. Uh, what were you right? What exactly was your setup on that front, and kind of what were you targeting with it? Well, the the main reason I chose that spinner, the, the, I was catching them on about three spinner baits, basically. Uh, one of them is a homemade spinner bait that I that I throw. Uh, that I make myself, and it's just got a real light wire in it, and nobody throws one because it, you can't throw it more than one day and you break, you break them off. I mean, the, the wire breaks, so nobody can sell them. I mean, nobody's going to use them because they don't want to buy a spinnerbait every day. The other one was a Booyah spinnerbait. It, both of them are half ounce. Both of them were single uh, single Colorados, and I had, you know, different swim baits on the back of them. Uh, the main one was the Pulse 3.5, uh, 3.5 Yum. It'll be it'll be introduced at ICAST. Uh, it's just a new bait that one of my sponsors has got that's coming out. That's, a, that's what I feel on the on the Flash Mob Junior that you see me catch the ones off the bridge uh, on mm-hmm. as well. It's just a good swim and swim bait, and it works really good. It's got good action to it. But the main reason I was throwing that that single blade is it's basically a lot slower thump uh, this time of year whenever the water's cold, and you can reel it so much slower. I was actually throwing them on a 5-3-to-1 gear ratio, 20-pound fluorocarbon, uh, Bass Pro fluorocarbon, and I was just barely turning the handle. I mean, you watched my video, I'm sure, so you can see how oh, yeah. slow I was working on even back here behind the cables. And it, I, they wasn't they wasn't down on the bottom. Those fish were up in the water column because you couldn't get a bite flipping. I mean, my co-owners and stuff flipped all day. That's what they did. And they'd get one or two bites. And I noticed most of their bites even was when they flipped it in there and they picked up, the fish had it. They were getting it on the fall. Them fish were all suspended under the cables or by the floats or or just sunning back there behind the docks. Like Friday when I caught them, they was, it was kind of overcast and windy, and them fish were just back there 
there wasn't on anything. I never caught one on a piece of structure that I could say I'm going to catch one off that except the cables. Um, but Saturday they were, it was sunny and the wind was out of the north. It was kind of a front come in. It wasn't cold, but it was, there was kind of a high pressure system. And those fish were tight to the sun, you know, tight to the float or tight to a lay down, but they were still suspended. They were coming up to get that spinner. But, you know, I think I was running it right by their nose in three or four inches of water, maybe six inches, you know. They wasn't on the bottom, so to speak, I mean, and that's where most guys missed them at. They were up in the high. They were high in the water column. That's really so, cool how you sort of were able to figure that out because, I mean, a lot of people, they would just be content to, you know, even if they were throwing a spinnerbait, they'd just grind it over the bottom, you know? They would, you right, know, slow, right. literally <laughs> slow roll it back in, and you kind of unlocked that whole different little section of the water column with a totally, really a totally different bait than probably a lot of guys would fish through that section. Uh, so that's that was cool, right? That, yeah, it was. It really was, and I, and that's why they wasn't getting on the vibrating jig as much. I think because it was just going to. You couldn't throw. You could skip the vibrating jig under the docks so way better than you could spinnerbait. But I think it was just you had to reel it too fast, and you and it was falling too fast whenever it hit the water. I mean, I caught like I said, I caught that one the first day on it. It was a fortunate fish, but it was it it would have been a, it would have been a jig. Or something flipped in there, I think, because when I skipped it underneath there and I clicked the handle, it never even made a vibe. The fish had it whenever it hit the water. It was just a reaction bite, and that fish wasn't in six inches of water as far as being, you know, under the float. So it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything worked out perfect. I mean, that's all I can say. I mean, I, I kind of figured that out from past, and and you know, guys that that I know that catches them up there, that I know that catch them that way, and that's just one of those ways that. Then a lot of guys miss it because that time of the year, most guys either want their spin or if they're throwing a spinner bait, they're like you said, they're dragging it on the bottom, or if they're flipping their their baits on the bottom, and then fish are up above it, and they're just not going to go down to get it, especially in that dirty water, they couldn't see it. For sure, this is kind of a shift in subject because I feel like I don't want to say we've exhausted Grand Lake, but we've definitely I feel like learned quite a bit about how you caught them. Um, you uh, how did you kind of get started? fishing FLW stuff and stepping up to the Coast FLW series because, you know, you've had a pretty good history uh, fishing a lot of BFLs, you know, back since 2007, really. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe even before, to be honest. Uh, and then you, uh, these last few years, you've been on a real tear. I mean, you've pretty much in the Central Division, the Southwestern Division. I mean, you're catching them. You made the Cup a couple years ago. Right. Uh, you know, I started – in. I started fishing team stuff with my dad probably when I was 12, 10 or 12. I mean, when I was young and he pretty much quit fishing, uh, the old red man and stuff to raise me, you know, take me fishing, you know, and I, and I appreciate that. And then whenever we, we, uh, we got fishing when I got old enough to fish and I actually was married when in like an old six, I think was the first one I fished. And they come to the river and one of my friends asked me to fish it, and I was I'd been catching some fish and won a couple of team stuff here that year. And I thought I'm gonna fish it. I jacked, I jumped in it and I come in fourth uh, that year. I had four fish that weighed like 12 or 13 pounds, 12 something, and 13 won it. And it was one of my good friends, Charlie Christie, which is Jason Christie's dad that everybody knows. Or I'm sorry, Jason Christie's uncle that everybody knows. Uh, me and him teamed up and fished a lot of stuff back then, and we actually won the stuff. But the very next year, uh, I won the BFL on the river. I came in fourth the first year I fished it. The very next year, I won the river one, uh, which was my first win, like, 06, I think, uh, 07. And then I, did, I fished every BFL pretty much in, in Okie Division since then. And then I just 
you know, I just enjoy it. I enjoy the turn. I enjoy the tournament directors. Uh, you know, Mark McGuire and I enjoyed Anthony was he, when he was here. They just treat you like family, you know. And Ron, there ain't a better. I want to sure miss Ron. I give him a big hug on stage when I won. I said, you know, Ron, you're just a, you're just a, you're like you, everybody treats us like family. You know, every, you know everybody does, and and I love that part of it. You know, yeah, we're we're all gonna miss Ron for sure. He's one of the best. That's uh, that's that's a fact. Right. Um, Not everybody knows, but Ron's Ron's gonna retire. I think you know at the end of the year and spend some time him and. Him and his wife are going to travel and do some fishing. He said he's going to guide a little bit, you know, and that's and that's awesome to be able to, you know, to do what he's going to do and still have his health to do that, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I guess my next question, you know, you're sitting at number one in the points right now. You're pretty much, uh, I would say, locked in for the championship again. Uh, maybe right. for a top ten in points, maybe for an AOI. Are you thinking about fishing the tour at all? I know you've looks like you've got a pretty but, young family, but you're catching a lot of fish lately. Yeah, I think I think with this win, we've my wife's talked about it. She told me that you know for sure that I'm going to fish the tour next year. I'm pretty sure, unless the schedule is everything is way east where it's going to be a lot of traveling for me and be a lot of time away from home. That's my plan is to fish, is to fish the tour next year. Uh, you know, a lot of guys has has hit me up about it, and I and we've prayed about it a lot. And my wife said, you know, you're going to do it while you're still young. It's a dream that you want to always want to do it. So if, if a few sponsors will step up, or I get a few added. Uh, it's a definitely, it's a definite go, I think. All right. Well, that's cool. Cause you know, you've, I've watched, I, I bet I was there, uh, I guess at table rock when you caught them, um, you know, running way up the rivers and jumping <laughs> over, uh, you know, yeah. gravel bars and stuff like that and breaking down like right. every single day too, if I remember correctly. Seemed like, seemed like <laughs> um, it, didn't it? And it was like, holy smokes, how's this guy doing this? And you know, to, to make the cup just on that alone is pretty awesome and i i'm looking forward to having you on tour i i definitely hope it happens i i never really asked you and but what was it like fishing the cup because that's not that it's your first real test or anything because the coasters are stacked the championship is stacked with guys but it's a little bit different to fish a championship event like the cup right Right. See, I won an open in 13 and fished, and I got fortunate to fish the Bassmasters Classic uh, at Lake Gunnersville in 14. You know? Okay, and, no and kidding. So I had that, and I fished, and I fished two All-Americans. And and so I I fished for that kind of money before, so it wasn't, and, and against that caliber, and it wasn't like a, you know, a, a starstruck kind of thing for me. I mean, I wanted to go out there and win. And I thought I was on the right thing as far as looking back at the past of that lake, Murray, to, to catch 10 or 12 pounds a day. You know, and grind it out with them guys, but I sure missed the I missed the the herring bite and the topwater deal. I mean, I, I I drove around and and looked at that kind of stuff, but them fish wasn't. Those guys were calling them up. I mean, guys looked at it, and, and even me when I watched it on camera, I'm like, man, they're catching everywhere. But it wasn't that way. I mean, you could drive around at daylight and dark every day and not find a schooling fish one, or if, or maybe find a few stripers. But them guys were calling them up out of brush piles with that topwater, and I just I didn't know that kind of fishing. You know? I mean, that was something new to me as far as as far as getting those big ones to come up on that. And I, I learned. Everybody learns. If you don't learn from fishing, you're not never going to make a better fisherman. And I definitely learned in that tournament that I I missed the boat. Yeah. Well, I uh, I, I guess I should have done my research a little more. I didn't realize you'd fish the classic. Uh, so yeah, it would definitely, you know, the classic and the cup. That's not like going from. You know, you're not going to be starstruck if you've already been there. Uh, <laughs> But right. I had, right. It's, yeah. But man, I think you're right. Everybody 
not everybody, but a lot of people missed the boat in that cup because there was, you know, those, let's say, five or six guys who really, really smashed them, and then a whole lot of guys who would have contended in any other cup on Murray, but not that one. Right. 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 You're right. I mean, I – I thought I thought ten or twelve a day would be good, and you know that's what I caught the first day was ten something, and and I could roll in there, and I I think I was in the middle of the pack, and I'm like, wow, well I missed this, you know, I mean, there was no way of winning after after that once they weighed in the first day, so I just went out and caught what I could catch and did my thing, and that's that's the way it works. I mean, you're not going to win every tournament, and you're not going to be a contention every tournament, but you got to whenever you leave that event, at least you've done what you could do and the best you could do, and that's how I felt about that cup. You know, I just I felt I did everything I could do, and I pretty much executed when I got a bite. I just wasn't around the right fish, and that's and that happens a lot, you know. Yeah, that's for sure. Because uh, you know you can't you you just can't always put it all together. You you can try, and a lot of times, you know, it seems like guys always do, and then all of a sudden they won't. Um, I guess the last tournament uh, in the Southwestern Division is on Fort Gibson. Uh, right. How do you feel about the possibility of a little AOI action? You know, Sprague's been Sprague has definitely been testing me this year. Uh, you know, he caught, he came in like 14th at at uh, at Rayburn, and then he, uh, you know, we tied pretty much at Grand. So I mean, he is catching them, and he's he's a one heck of an angler. Uh, and he, and I know he's going to put his homework in, you know, to try to beat me. And, and all the guys behind us. I mean, there there's several guys that can catch us. Uh, we've got a little distance between us. But the, my fortunate thing is, is I live 45 minutes from Gibson, and I'm going to be able to spend a bunch of time over there. And, this summer because you know our tournaments will wind down in june or july around here and then i can spend all my time over there so i i feel confident i've had a lot of good success at gibson uh, the problem with gibson is you can plan and then it can throw you a loop as far as the water level because gibson's one of those real skinny lakes that it kind of holds water from grand so if we get a lot of late rain in the summer it could be it could be six foot high or it could be five foot low you never know about it because of the water level so you can't really plan so to speak, um, you just kind of got to go figure out where they're at that week, you know. So I've been over there. I fished the BFL over there. I come in third. I don't know. It's been six or seven years ago. Uh, and the FLW trailer almost flooded out because it was it come up like 12 feet overnight. Uh, so it can do it, you know. But usually usually late October like that, the rains are almost over with. But we've had some weird weather here lately. Yeah, that's for sure. It's been a kind of an odd year weather-wise all around. I know. Uh, yeah. I think Sprague finished. Uh, I think he finished in the top ten last time at uh, at oh, at where what am I've totally lost it now. Gibson? <laughs> yeah, at Gibson, and I think he'd never been there before. So I'm sure he's kind of looking forward to coming back too. And it's yeah, it's tight. It'll be it'll be cool to see how it shakes out. No, there's not. It's not always like you kind of eye up. Uh, Costa level AOI race because it's three tournaments, you know, a lot can, you know, there can be a right. luck factor in there, but I definitely, you guys have quite a race in that Southwestern division going on there for sure. Right. I, Cause I didn't realize that Jeff had, had, had finished 14th or 15th at, at Raver until, until I looked at the points when they sent me the deal and I, I thought I'd be number one. I was number one. And then my wife was looking through it actually on a ride home and she's like, you only got a, like a five point lead against Jeff. And I'm like, where did he finish at Rayburn? And I, so she had to look it up, and he finished 14th. And I'm like, man, you know what I mean? Because well, so we caught him. I mean, you know, he caught him there. And, and uh, I was fortunate enough to catch Big Bass first day and had like a 9-6, or, or he would be ahead of me right now, you know. So I've caught I've caught big ones 
both tournaments were that we're out needed to catch them, you know. So I mean, that's just been. It's, but that's what you got to do to have a good year. You got to have one or two of them big bites that separate you. All these guys can catch them, and every day, every day that twelve or thirteen pound sacks or fifteen or twenty at Rayburn obviously shows the the big one one kicker fish boosts you up. You know, I had like twenty four fourteen at Rayburn the first day, but then I only had like twelve pounds the second day. You know, I never caught a big fish. I mean, that's just it's just the way it works. That, uh, that's for sure. Well, uh, I tell you what, Chris, thanks so much for <clears throat> taking the time to come on the show and kind of run me through Grand Lake and honestly to look ahead too, because I'm, I'm very, I'm looking forward. I hope that you fishing the tour next year works out. I'm certainly, I'd like to see you do it because it, I don't want to say you've done all you can do now that you finally got a win, uh, in the Costas, but you know, you definitely have proven, I think that you're ready for that next level, uh. All right, I appreciate I appreciate that, Jody. That's that's a that's a compliment in itself, you know, coming from you. I mean, it's a it's a big step, you know. I mean, it, it, when you step up, your percentages as far as the way I look at it, the, you know, on the BFL level, you got you know around Oklahoma, you've got half the field I would say can win on any given day. But then when you step up to the Costa, you've probably got three fourths the field that can win every day. And then when you step up to the tour, every single person on there can probably win, you know. So you're you you've got to catch them for sure every event, you know. I mean that's and and to even make a check, you know. So it's just hard to it's hard to make it out there. It's not easy. Yeah, that that's for sure. Um, I guess before I let you go, I don't think you have a whole lot of social media to plug. Uh, maybe you do. Um, but where if you do, where should people you know follow you and find out more? Or if you don't, uh, is there anything else you want to plug? Um, you know, I've got, I've got Facebook, Facebook, uh, Chris Jones fishing. Um, I've got Instagram that I need to do a lot more work on, obviously, but, uh, they can check me out on Facebook and I'll friend everybody that's pretty much, you know, fishermen that I see. And, and, uh, you know, I've got a YouTube channel that's, that we've been working on that I'm going to, I'm going to have out and going pretty soon. That's going to help me a lot. And, uh, no, I mean, it's pretty much, I'll see them at the next tournament, you know, around here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it and. Uh, my social media stuff, you know, I'm kind of that age where it's right over the right over the hump of the young guys that that's coming up. That's got all that that's out there, you know, that spend all their time on it. And I've got a family, and and I don't spend that much time, not near as much time as I need to. But sponsors wise, you've got to to make it in this industry anymore. Yeah, you. Uh, it sounds like you may have missed that bubble just a little tiny bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely, you know, even. Uh, uh, even Todd Castledine is doing is doing social media now. He's even rocking the Instagram. And if there's anybody right. who uh, you know who catches plenty of fish elsewhere, it's it's him. So I, I would say if you want to get on that, it's probably not a bad thing at some point in time. I understand. I understand. It's it's just part of it. You just got to do it. That's just part of the industry anymore. You know, you can't just show up and catch them and and make and make a lot of money. You got to make it. You got to get enough money besides fishing because there's going to be those years that you don't catch them and you've got to have somebody you know the support uh to help you as far as money uh not only not only as far as the as having the best equipment which i'm i'm fortunate to be in the boat where i do have the best equipment on earth uh that money can buy or anybody else but but the having the the money backing to be able to go out there and compete with these guys that's the only way you can to make it a long to, to make it a long uh, career is to have that backing i hear you on that well chris man congratulations on the win again and thanks so much for taking the time and coming on thank you jody 
All right, and now we're joined by Jeff Sprague, uh, FLW Tour Pro, and fresh off a pretty heartbreaking second-place finish at the Coast FLW Series event on uh, Grand Lake. Jeff, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, how's it going? Good morning, Jody. Uh, it's good. A um, little windy and uh, rainy here in Texas, back at home. But uh, other than that, it's been uh, it's been good. The fishing's getting really hot. Uh, everything's starting to do its deal for the spring. So kind of excited for this time of the year to get really uh, kicked off. Yeah, I would imagine you're probably about to catch a 10-pounder uh, or a 12-pounder or something like any minute now, based on your proximity to Lake Fork. And, you know, you've got a little bit of time before you need to get on the road again. So... Uh, I look forward to that photo. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you, you know, I, without without sounding too crazy, I mean, it's it's it is it's an absolute possibility here. Um, I went to a uh, to the lake yesterday for about two hours, and um, wow, man, it's it's great to be home. I, I wish more lakes in the country fish like these do here around the house. Um, you know, and I'm sure some of them actually do, but man, this is we we have some pretty special places here in Texas. Uh, that that's for sure. Um, I guess I sort of started off uh, asking Chris Jones the same thing, uh, but I got to take it back to Grand for a little while um, and that final weigh-in. Did you did you know the tiebreaker rules? Did you know when he weighed in and tied you by weight what was going to happen? Like, how was what was that moment like for you? You know, honestly, um, I, I did not know the rules. Um, I, I thought I knew the rules, and I thought that the rule was uh, heaviest stringer, um, you know, tournament heavy stringer. Um, you know, so I was a little bit caught off guard, uh, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, not not upset, just, you know, because a rule's a rule. The rule was in place prior to the tournament, and it wasn't made, you know, right there while we were, you know, on stage. It was in the books before that. So, I mean, hands down, Chris, Chris won that based off of that rule. So, you know, good for him. Um, it, you know, so, but yeah, it's it's a little heartbreaking to uh, to be able to figure out some of the things that you know that you put together and make the comeback. But you know, I, I said it on stage. Um, I'm pretty sure that you know it was quoted uh, before me, and it'll be quoted again after me. Um, you, you know, and, it, and that is basically you, you can't win one on the first day uh, of the tournament, but by golly, you can sure lose it on the first day. So um, I lost that tournament on the first day, and Chris. Chris probably did the same thing. You know, he felt like he weighed four fish in on the first day. I weighed two fish in on the first day. Now, granted, I had the opportunity for that fifth fish, uh, all those five fish multiple times. Um, it was just the way that the fish were biting. It was just the way that they were positioned. It wasn't meant to be. Um, Chris probably tell you the same thing. You know, he had some bites. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, no, no hard feelings or anything like that. FLW has those rules in place for those types of situations. And, you know, Lord willing, it just wasn't was not mine to be won. Um, you know, great comeback as far as that goes, but it just wasn't mine to be taken away, uh, and, and we'll just keep going until we get one. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think everyone watching knows that you're going to get one eventually, uh, and it's going to be sweet when it happens, uh, that's for sure, because you're overdue. Um, I think uh, well, I appreciate there's, there's plenty of guys I who just... are due for a win, but you definitely are. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. I'll tell you this much. I sent you a message uh, after the tournament because you predicted this year that I, that I would win one. Um, and I sent you the message. I don't know if you remember, but it, I said, did I win one or did I not win one? Because you predicted it, you know, and I'm not real sure if you actually predicted it right or or we have to keep going to get, you know, to actually get the big trophy. But uh, either way, we're going to keep going. So 
I think I just thought that was pretty good. I think we got to keep going. I think we've got to keep going, and you know, it's gonna, it, it's got to be the big trophy and the big check. Is those are those are both the key things. I think. Um, I, I agree. I look forward to keeping going, keeping it going as well. So, but uh, for sure. For and sure. man, to be honest, after after Grand and after uh, sort of thinking about Beaver Lake a few years ago. I'm starting to think Cumberland could be a prime time. Like I, I don't know. I'm getting a good vibe. Just, just heads up. Man, on I, that. You know what? I don't. It, I'm not even so sure as it is the lakes that we go to. As it is the time of the year. Um, you know, growing up here uh, in East Texas at Lakes Wapiti and, and Lake Fork and the lakes that are around here, um, I spent my sick days out of school and, and days off from work and everything in between um, fishing this time of the year. So I, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times that I have a, you know, a little bit of an understanding sometimes of what fish are doing and where they're going and how they're setting up. And, and it relates all over the country, uh, you know, since I, that I've learned that over the past few years of fishing the tour and being a professional. So, I, you know, I do like Cumberland. Um, Cumberland is a phenomenal lake. It's a great, great lake. Great numbers of fish, all kinds of fish. Um, smallmouth, largemouth, giants of both species. So I'm looking forward to getting out there and, and trying to get a hook in some of those guys. That, that's for sure. And I think not having the smallmouth limit in play this year is going to make that a very fun tournament. Um, it'll change some game plans for sure, though. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about Grand before we get there and before we kind of okay. lean into the tour. Sure. I guess, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what changed between, let's say, day one and day two? Because... You know, you went from two fish, which granted they were good ones, to the biggest bag of the tournament on day two. So, like, what was it just a bite thing, or did you dial something in overnight? What happened? Well, to be honest with you, I had the I had the bites um, the first day, like I said, to do well. I mean, when I say well, I'm sure other guys in the tournament had the same opportunity, but I, my co angler, my felt extremely bad for me, which he didn't have to, but he he saw the opportunities that were there and the caliber of fish that, that they were, um, for the, for them, just for me to only weigh two bass. I mean, I, I see how it happens. You know, it's been a, I, I don't know that I've ever had a tournament to where I only weighed two bass. Um, and then to actually even have the opportunity to put the quality and the amount of fish in the boat that I, I had and not to execute it was just, I was on, I was on pins and needles, if you will. I was on suicide watch by the end of the day, you know, like really bad. So, um, but then you get in and you see how tough it was for everyone else. And you're thinking, well, Hey, I'm still in it. Even though I'm, I just painted myself into a corner, uh, go back out the next day and, and, and see what we can get done. You know, that the opportunity is there to weigh in a good bag of fish and to bring yourself right back into it. So I knew I was around the fish. I knew I was around, you know, in the areas of where they were, kind of wanting to go and in the time of year where they're really starting to key so i just pretty much needed to uh to do what i needed to do and 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 bear down and catch the fish that would bite so and and that was a big big deal is actually getting the fish in the boat that that's for sure a lot of guys it seemed like they said that the lake changed a lot between practice and like let's say day two and day three of the tournament did you find that to be the case or was it more that it, it maybe just got a little bit better as it went on or something like that? Because we hit it at kind of a, a definitely a lot of transition happening at that point in time. For sure. I'm going to be honest with you. When we got there, 
Grand was fishing probably as tough as any lake I've ever been to in my entire life. It was hard to even get a bite, um, let alone figure out what they were doing. So I knew that the fish were changing. I knew that, it, you know, that it was going to get better. I knew that, you know, a guy just had to wipe practice off his memory and then just kind of start over in the tournament because we were getting a warming trend and those fish were on the move. The, they were, when I say they're on the move, like normally they're moving a little more. The fish were there. They were setting out a little bit further than what they were in the tournament itself. And that's why some of the guys actually caught them in the tournaments because some fish did move in. Um, to areas, but they were sitting out there in that, you know, six to 12 foot of water. Um, and they just, they were just dormant, laying on the bottom, holding to a rock, uh, anything, but you literally could not make the meat. The water's super muddy, um, hard to target those fish. Uh, you know, so that's kind of what we, we ran into when we got to grand. And then obviously we had a warming trend come, um, and it stayed, when I say warm, it's not like it jumped into the eighties, but it went from the 40s you know to the to the 60s um which is a big deal and when it maintains that that temperature uh into the night and those fish will really start to pull up because they want to feel those uv rays on their bodies they want to get up there and and start sunning those eggs and and start doing those things and you know it's just that time of the year where nature tells them hey we need to get out of this deeper water cold water and it's, it's starting to happen so get on up there that's cool uh, and that it's kind of was cool how that developed for some guys and how some other guys like it was even though the fish were starting to come up and wanted to be shallow, it stayed pretty tough the whole tournament. I mean, I think you and Chris Jones maybe both got like five or six bites all day on the final day, and you came in with really good bags, but like it was still tough. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's you know people see oh you weighed twenty two eight and then you weighed another eighteen two behind that man you you mashed on them well yes on the first day i I did i actually you know i caught that bag of fish and then i i'll be honest with you i did i I laid off i figured you know and that's a judgment call that a guy's got to make and i've made it many times in my career already and it's often come back to haunt me and i wonder if it haunts and i often wonder if it haunts me already on this tournament you know i've got to figure it out for myself but you know i caught that bag of fish and I looked at my, you know, my partner and I said, man, we, we just need to, we've got to get away from these fish now. And we've just, oh, let's go see if we can't get you some fish in the boat. I said, because I've got enough fish to where I'm going to make a move. And I feel like I've got enough to where what I caught yesterday and today, I was already, you know, I'm going to make the cut with that. So, and if I catch any more of these fish, it, it's probably going to hurt me. I can have a chance to, you know, to win this deal. And um, so I didn't, I didn't continue to go for them, um, you know, because there were so few fish up at that particular point and in the area that I had kind of found some fish that had moved in um I didn't want to hurt them you know what I mean like I didn't want to I didn't want to catch any more than I any more than I had to so long story short um we moved around you know and then um and, and continued to fish instead of pounding on the fish that had moved up yeah I hear I hear you and knowing when to you know pull the trigger and go all in on fish versus kind of you know, rationing them the whole way out. That's a really hard decision to make in tournament fishing. And even sometimes you might make the right call, but you might have some weather condition or something, change it. And all of a sudden you made the wrong call, you know, like it's, that's a hard thing to play. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, so on the, on the second day when I caught those, the, the big bag of fish, I, I may have caught, I actually boated probably 
eight or nine keepers, which was a lot. But I, I caught eight or nine by choice once once they once the, the conditions were right. Um, and so, and then on day three, the conditions changed again, and we had that cold front blow through, and it was north wind blowing pretty hard, um, which really hurt a lot of the areas that I had I had fished in the previous you know two days because the north wind blew right into them a little bit. Um, and I only had, I, I still had, I want to say, I think I had eight keeper bites, I remember, on the final day, um, catching only five of those. I caught five fish um, for that weight. So it wasn't like I was getting abundance of bites, but like you said, it was the quality of fish that I was looking for. Um, so that's a big deal. But, you know, that wind and, 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 and the water, color and clarity, that stuff really kind of, played into how how tough it was to actually get the bites to to commit because i mean i've had numerous bites come up and roll on a square bill um or and a spinner bait and just not get it and that for that matter a bladed jig i, I could i remember skipping it up you know under a, under a dock and reeling it back and having one just knock slack in the line and just not getting it you know those are those are fish you're, you're not sure why they didn't commit to the bait maybe it wasn't exactly what they wanted maybe you hit them at a bad angle you're not sure but you know, it's all those, you know, to, to lose a bite in that tournament, every bite counted because all the fish that you were around were quality. That's, uh, that's for sure. Um, one question I had, and I watched your, uh, I watched your video. It's up on FLWFishing.com on YouTube uh, of your final day. And it's like killer footage, especially if you like watching a guy catch fish on a spinnerbait. Uh, but it, it felt like to me, just watching it, that you're using a pretty – a rod with a lot of bend in it and maybe i'm wrong and you know the gopro can be kind of tricky on that but what were you uh what was your like spinnerbait tackle because uh, you definitely yeah, had it pretty yeah, dialed in know, i do you know i'm very particular about some of the rods that i use and i'm a really really big um fan of of, of using a parabolic rod um for for all my conditions for the most part uh meaning like so the rod bends down far into the blank before it loads up completely and that that keeps the guy from, from losing a lot of fish i feel like because it's not too stiff and it also keeps the guy from pulling it away from a fish sometimes because it's not too stiff so you know i'm a i'm a, i'm with mud hole tackle which uh, is a custom rod building company um out of florida they um sell everything that you could ever possibly need for 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 building your own personal rods um, and that is super, super cool. And that's one of the biggest things for me, um, to, to be able to do exactly what I want to do with the exact rod and reel that I want to do it with. So, um, basically what I was throwing with that spinner bait and that chatter bait, um, or that bladed jig, excuse me for, for what I was doing is, um, is a 843 MHX 843 blank by, uh, mud hole. And I would basically what that is is it's a it's a seven foot rod it's it's a it's a medium heavy action rod great 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 bladed jig rod and spinnerbait rod the spinnerbait was a half ouncer um, you know so you're throwing some weight around up there and basically if you watch the video you can see that when a when I get a fish that rod loads up and stays loaded up and so what happens is, is even if you watch the video again I'll relate to it. When I get that one of those big, the biggest fish that I caught in that video, when I get it in the boat, the, the spinnerbait comes out of the fish's mouth and yeah. flies out. It's terrifying. That fish. Exactly. Now, if you that rod is the reason that I caught that fish, and I truly believe that, 
because that rod stayed loaded up and kept that line tight on that fish the whole time because that rod is paired perfectly with that with that line with that blade in that fish okay so if that rod was any stiffer and that fish had made a surge and the the tip that was parabolic had given slack to that fish or not kept enough pressure on that on that fish that fish would have jumped off came off but with that bend in that rod you keep everything tight with the right amount of pressure you can pull on him hard to get him out and it's not going to rip his it's not going to rip his mouth it's, it's going to bring more pressure to the rod which takes more to put it down there on the fish before you so if you pull hard on your end it takes more to than it does to deliver that down to the fish to where if you're throwing a super heavy rod and you're pulling down here you're going to deliver more of that pull to that fish itself and and deliver more impact so it's very, once you really start understanding fishing and rods and you really start wanting to, you know, figure out why you're losing fish or why, you know, why you're get, not getting the action out of your bait, that's whenever, you know, something like that comes into play for you and you, you become a better fisherman. It, it'll make you understand your baits, your rods, your line, and everything more. It's, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Do you build them all yourself or do you have somebody who builds some for you or, or have you no, been building rods for a long time? No, it's super, super cool. That's what's cool about it. Um, honestly, um, I signed with Mudhole this year. They sent me, you know, everything that I needed from the rod turner all the way down to the wrapping system, all the way to the guides, to the to the cork. I built the rods that I caught my fish on, um, and that's the, that's the coolest thing that I can ever say. I've caught every fish this year that I've weighed in on the tour and on uh, the coasters. Um, I've, I've built those rods. And then to be able to say that, that's pretty, pretty dang cool, man. You know, you know, so I uh, haven't been building them long. It's not super hard. Um, it's, you know, that's what people don't understand. I mean, it, it's just really neat stuff. So anybody can do it. You check it out. I mean, Mudhole Tackle and I mean, uh, Mudhole.com, they, they've got all that stuff available. And they've got systems that you can buy. Uh, so, you know, and, and start from scratch. And it's just really, really neat. I'll be honest with you. I've really enjoyed it. That's cool. Uh, to sort of to transition over to the tour this year, you uh, you got a new title deal with Gene Larue, but you're having like a good year. I mean, you had a, you stubbed your toe at the Harris chain, but I feel like you're pretty on pace to make the cup again, um, and uh, oh maybe off the pace to contend for an AOI. So how do you feel like the season's going? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was really excited about this year. Still, am excited about this year. Um, and there's different ways to look at that. You know, we got down to Okeechobee, um, had an okay showing, like you said. Um, we, we got out of there with a check and some great points and then went straight to the Harris, and I was super excited about going to Harris. Um, and just made the – this is where I've told – made bad, made a bad decision one day. I made a really bad decision and, and went and chased something that I thought would give me an opportunity to, to move into a contention for a, you know, a higher finish. Um, and then actually – it backfired on me and you know the, the fishing just died um so uh i had the opportunity to do well there um uh, with with a couple of fish that didn't make it into the boat but you know i've had that that's just you go through those stretches where you go through trying times and that was one of those tournaments where it was trying for me um right back into um lanier where never been there love lanier is a great lake uh, felt like i had opportunities to be around the fish to do uh, you know make a top 10 there and um, maybe I chased a little bit of a dying pattern there, um, but I still managed to do well, you know, 
Um, and then going into Cumberland, we're getting back into that. Um, we're moving north to where the fishing is starting to do, you know, we're going to the full springtime deal to where fish are starting to do their spawn. And, you know, and that's what I really enjoy doing. And that's one of those things to where, you know, a guy just bears down and, and, uh, and learns everything he can learn, you know, and, and about the lake when we're there in practice and, and go for it, you know. So that's pretty much what I'll do is, uh, is do that. And, yeah, we're on pace. We'll be fine. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be tough to come back for an AOY. Tyler, you've got, you know, Thrift and, and, and uh, Gagliardia up there that are really great fishermen. And those guys, are they don't stump their toes too awful, awful much, you know. And, uh, those, you know, but at the same time, that just gives us more fuel for the fire to uh, to go out and compete and do uh, as well as we can. Yeah. So you fished uh, three coasts this year, and your worst finish is 18th. So do you feel like having that success at the AAA level has kind of helped you kind of keep things on an even keel? Because, uh, you know, while your tour stuff, it hasn't been up to sort of your usual standard. It hasn't been bad, and you've been crushing them, you know, at the lower levels. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's uh I just I just really think that I fish as hard at the lower level as I do it on the tour and sometimes I'll be honest with you I really feel like this year it's been a mental error on my on my part because we have been to some of those lakes several times before um Harris and Okeechobee both and it's my fault because I got into a rut in fishing areas to where I've caught fish before and I've seen o- other anglers who are top-notch anglers who are icons in the sport go through the same deal um, to where they fish the same areas and they don't go with an open mind maybe and I feel like that that may have that may be have may have been my downfall this year so far to be honest with you in the, in the first two tournaments um, so our first couple tournaments and, and not doing what, what I consider to be me um, you know top 20s top stuff is where I like to like to try to you know to be and obviously we all go to win but um so I'm going to go and I'm going to start trying to approach these deals with an, a little bit more open mind. Um, and I'm going to delete all the waypoints in my graphs um, again. And I'm not going to go to a lake with another waypoint in my graph, period, hands down. I won't do it. Um, you know, um, and I think that helps me approach with an open mind. I ain't got to worry about going and, and looking for exactly where I caught them before. And I get to go fish the lake for what it has to offer me. That's all I can do, you know. And uh, I think that's the, that's, that's the biggest deal. All right. Well, I like I like that strategy for sure, and I it definitely you know it seems like a it takes a lot of courage to execute on that and to actually go through with it. But I think it makes a lot of sense, uh, especially because you know you can still have some memories of a lake when you go there, but you don't get locked into spending half a morning uh, running from spot to spot to try and see stuff that might not be there anymore. Um, exactly. Exactly. The uh, the one lake on the schedule that. I feel like you probably have the least amount of experience on would be St. Clair. Have you ever been there before at all? Uh, are you looking forward to it? Never been there. I've never been to Lanier either. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. I can't say that it's going to be the style of fishing that I know or, or am comfortable with, but um, at the same time, that's what makes us anglers and that's what gives us uh, an equal playing field for the guys who have not been there and, you know, levels out everything and let's, uh, let's, you know, let's just throw the cards on the table and see where they fall. I I, uh, I look forward to new challenges and new lakes. I like it when we go to new lakes. Um, I don't particularly care for us going to the same lakes over and over and over all the time sometimes. You know, these guys have been doing this for 20 years, 30 years. They've been to those lakes. They know, um, you know, so sometimes 
I feel like it levels the playing field, um, even for myself or anyone else. So um, I look forward to it. I know they've got monster smallmouth up there, and a guy can catch some largemouth too for, you know. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm pretty excited about getting up there um, and just giving it a shot. You know, I, I want to see what those big brown bass are all about. I, uh, they're awesome. I can tell you that much, <laughs> but you know, I've got a soft spot for them. Um, I do, I do. You, yeah, I know and you catch them too. So maybe you can uh, shoot me a pointer or two before it goes off limits. Well, I have been there, uh, a total of two days in, I think November. So probably it wouldn't be very helpful, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I think you're going to have fun. That's for sure. I'm going to, that is going to be the one tournament where I'm the most jealous of the guys actually fishing the tournament because the weather's probably going to be like pretty nice. It won't be too hot. It won't be too cold. It might be rough. Uh, and you're going to be catching a ton of fish and it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be rough to be on the bank, like typing about that, but such is life. <laughs> um, I guess uh, my last question, obviously you're a Texas guy. We kind of touched on that earlier, but, you know, this time of year, uh, what are what's a Texas fishing tip or two, whether it's a couple of baits somebody should have on the deck or what you'd be looking for about now? Uh, you know, let's, uh, let's, help, let's help somebody catch you know, a bass. Yeah, I mean, you know, so if you're, if you're coming down or anywhere in the country and, you know, and it's getting to be that spring and the trees are starting to bud a little bit, turn green, turn white, you know, turn purple when they all get, you need the birds start chirping and you get a little bit of, you're like, oh, I don't need a sweater today. And, and then a few days into that, you don't need a sweater. You know, um, you know, it's going on. And, um, you know, so basically a few things that I really like to, to throw this time of the year are a Jean LaRue Biffle Bug, um, to be honest with you. And everybody thinks, oh, a Biffle Bug is an offshore deal. Well, there's some secrets that we keep um, amongst us. And I, I mean, the only way for me to really help LaRue and, and to help fishermen understand it is a biffle bug was created for a biffle head or for a hard head. So basically the biffle head, um, which you drag on the bottom. But what a lot of guys don't understand is you can buy that biffle head in like a, a, a super light weight, you know, like a quarter or, a, you know, a three sixteenths or, or a super light weight that we have and put a small biffle bug on it. And then you can throw that thing up there in super, super shallow water and swim it back almost like a jig. Um, and basically that mimics a crawfish fleeing in shallow water um, around beds and, and around laydowns and things like that. And it's something that fish don't see very often. Um, and it's something that really works. It's really guarded. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but it's, it's, it's an opportunity for a guy who's, who, who's willing to try something to get some more bites that everybody else is not getting it will work. It will put more fish in your boat and you'll be like, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I think about this sooner? So, um, with that flat crawl, it does that. Or you know, with the biffle bug, it, it rides high in the water and it allows you to fish it over, you know, limbs and lay downs and rocks and things like that. Um, with a subtlety, but not with like a spinnerbait thump. So keep that in mind. Um, and then also, you know, I, I'm a big fan of a, of a top water this time of the year, um, like a buzz bait, you know? So, Buzzbait's a big deal. Jacob Wheeler and I have talked about this countless hours. Wheeler's a big Buzzbait fan himself, and so am I. And that being said, we pretty much designed the hammer craw with a flipping and a Buzzbait and a trailer. It's everything that you want in one and can be in one bait. And so basically I throw a Buzzbait this year to, with, a, with a hammer craw made by Gene LaRue. It's a new craw bait that we have out, um, but it's got – 
the peachers that are on the crawbait, and it's a flat crawbait with a solid body, and it allows that buzzbait to ride up in the in the water quicker. And then the peachers don't have to be wound really fast to have the action, and they've got a really good kickback to to slow the bait down to make it ride high in the water. And people are like, well, buzzbait's a buzzbait's a buzzbait with a trailer. It's not. It's really not. And then the more that someone plays with it, and the more that they understand it, the further along their fishing will go, and they'll start they'll start putting the pieces of the puzzle together, and they'll become a better fisherman themselves. So when we talk about that stuff and we start letting it out of the bag, we're not saying that always to sell a product or to push something. We design these baits and, and we we push these products because it's things that we've done and we've you know and we've learned over the years that help us catch more fish, and we're really trying to share that with guys. So. If you get an opportunity to get some hammer crawls and to tip it uh, with, on your buzz bait and flip it, you know, in, in that colder water and that, I mean, or, or, or swim jig, it's just a bait that we really, really come to love because it allows us to do so much with it. Um, a guy will catch more fish on it, hands down. I mean, I just really believe that. So great baits, great op- great ways to catch fish, you know, that are out of the, outside of the box a little bit um, that a lot of guys won't do and, and you, you'll see. I mean, once you get, once you start putting those things to work, it'll it'll definitely help you along the way. Sounds good. What's the uh, what's the biggest fish you've ever caught in Texas, or biggest bass? I caught a twelve six here uh, in Texas. Is the biggest fish I've ever personally um, caught. Been in the boat with some with a thirteen. I think it was almost a fourteen oh, uh, caught here, um, and it, it's kind of like that tiebreaker that we just had at Grand. We were both. It was a fun fishing day. We were both fishing for them. There, we had a male and a female on a bed. Um, I flip down. He flips down. They're both sitting there. We're just, you know, we're fun fishing. We know it's a giant. We know they're both big. Um, we're not really, you know, we're not wigged out about it. And I flip in there, and I literally, I catch the male, uh, grab it, and no more than I get the male in my hand, then he yells, I got her. Oh, man. Up, and she's got eyeballs. They look like 50-cent pieces. Um, you know, just an amazing fish, uh, an amazing day. Um, you know, so those are – we have them here. You don't always get to see them. We don't, you know, with the – a lot of stuff has to line up. They're, you know, we're getting a lot of rain right now, so a lot of fish are going to get – they're going to escape being caught off beds this year in Texas here around the house because the water's going to be high and muddy. Um, which is a good thing because the fish will be able to spawn and get back out and not be molested by anglers who are on ladders and throwing live bait and all this stuff that really hurt hurt the opportunity for the deeper fish to spawn. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that because we'll have in another year or two we'll have the offspring to re, you know to replenish these fish that are out there now. So yeah, yeah, that's that'll be a really good thing for us here and I'm just excited. So big fish, we got a lot of big fish in Texas. You guys get down here and come see us. Um, Jody, you come down and catch some bass with me. Love to have you, bud. I, uh, I would like to do that of all things. Uh, but anyhow, man, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, walk us through, uh, grand and everything else. Um, I guess before I let you well, go, I- where can, uh, people find you on, uh, where can people find you on, you know, the social medias, your website, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, Instagram uh, is Jeff Sprague Fishing, and we have a YouTube channel out also. It's Jeff Sprague Fishing. I'll do a lot of instructional videos uh, if you subscribe to that, um, you know, on how to and what to do and what not to do certain times of the year. And, you know, a lot of guys just put uh, videos of themselves catching fish on online, and that's cool. Um, we really want to try to help people figure out how to catch fish, how to dial your electronics in, when fish change certain times of the year, patterns and things like that to 
help anglers catch more bass and understand why the fish are doing what they're doing. So um, also just Jeff Sprague Fishing on Facebook. Follow along. Shoot us a message. We're happy to answer any questions. Um, and come see us at the, at the derbies at, at FLW events. We, we always love to do that on the expos. Um, give stuff away. You know, we always have giveaways for, for the kiddos and, and autographs and things like that. It's such a good time for the family. So come out and see us. FLW is a great, um, a great venue for the family and for, for all the kiddos and, and the grown-ups alike. So love to have everyone out there to our weigh-in. It's, it's always a fun, exciting event. All right, man. Well, thanks for taking the time, and uh, good luck out there these next, uh, next little bit of time, and I'll see you at Cumberland. Thanks, Jody. Appreciate it. So, Kyle, we just uh, got off the Costa FLW Series Southwestern Division event on Grand Lake, uh, stop number two. Uh, Christopher Jones slash Chris Jones, depending on what you want to call him, uh, he won, um, finished first, weighed the exact same amount as Jeff Sprague. Uh, They both had 47 pounds, 3 ounces. Sprague was in fifth after day two. Uh, Christopher Jones was in fourth after day two, and that's the mm-hmm. tiebreaker. Uh, but it was, I don't know, kind of overall pretty tough tournament, I would say. Uh, just looking at it the way and like looking at yeah. what guys said. <clears throat> For sure. Uh, but you were right. A lot of spinnerbait action. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. I figure I'll ask you, because I have been racking my brain to try and figure out if there's a good way to do a tiebreaker without a guy fishing another day. And I can't think of one. What's your, do you have any ideas on this? Do you have any thoughts of a way to do a tiebreaker that like actually people would like that isn't just, all right, boys go back out there for day four. Uh, no, no, I haven't. Uh, but I mean, honestly, I haven't put a whole ton of thought into it. It doesn't come up that often, but it's like when it does, you always kind of go, well, dang, that's that's a bummer of a way to lose. Yeah, it doesn't come up that or often, to win. but we had some guys tie in the BFL this weekend, which was on Saturday, and also they tied. Yeah, and then it was won. a weekend of ties. <laughs> yeah, so big weekend <laughs> for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, there's, there's definitely something to... Well, if you had, if it had only been a two-day tournament, you know, you would have, Christopher Jones would have won that. If it had only been a one-day tournament, he would have won that. But if it had been a four-day tournament, who knows? Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of get that, that, you know, it, it makes a little bit of sense, but really none of it is a great way to decide. It's just you kind of have to decide because yeah. you can't, logistic, and we talked about logistics before, like, Logistically for this one, yeah, it's probably a pretty decent chance both those guys could have gone fishing tomorrow. and Or, well, I say tomorrow. They could have gone fishing Sunday. And we could have had some kind of tournament. And, you know, you wouldn't have crowned a winner at, uh, you know, out at the Cabela's. You would, I guess, done it on the shores of Grand Lake somewhere. But at the same time, like, that's a logistical mess. And the oh, way, yeah. you know, the way we run tournaments, and we run so many of them, you can't really be like, all right, and we're going to maybe have one extra day of competition for every tournament. So, <laughs> right, right. you, you kind of have to pick a winner. I don't I don't know. I, I kind of don't mind the the way they do it with the BFLs, where they just split it. And they're just like, all right, you guys, you both won. 
But at the same time, if you've got more days of competition, I do feel like there should be a way to do something with that. I don't know. It's tough. It is. It is. Um, outside of that, do you have any uh, takeaways from the tournament? Anything you uh, kind of had your eye on? Because, you know, neither you or I covered this, but we've both been there a fair amount before. We've both kind of covered some tournaments that had some similarities to this, I feel like. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that you look at from day one to, to day three, the final day, the fishing, like it was, this tournament was so close to being real bueno. You know, like even if it would have started maybe even a day later, it would have been really interesting to see how things would have shaken up. Because for a lot of guys, well, you know, you look at Sprague especially, terrible day one, 22 pounds day two, 18 something on the final day. Um, I mean, like, guys were getting dialed in. The water was warming up. It was it was as if there were a lot more fish maybe thinking about going shallow. Maybe not necessarily to spawn, but definitely creeping that way. Um, I talked to Kurt this morning, who covered the event, and he said, like, the water temps by the final day, especially, like, where Sprague was, it was, like, 61, 62-ish. But kind of at the beginning of the tournament and even um, – you know, the final couple of days of practice for the most of the lake, it was, you know, low fifties, mid fifties. So it was a pretty like substantial increase, um, in water temp. So I thought that was kind of, kind of cool how it was. It almost, uh, just from an outsider looking at it, it seemed like two different tournaments, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like day one, I was kind of like, wow, that's it. That's all that's, that's all those guys caught. And then things got rolling on day two and you're like, okay, there's some hogs. And then day three, uh, still pretty solid. Yes and no. Because, like, look at what the guys who finished fourth on down caught on the final day. Like, they did terrible. Kurt Warren, right, right. you know, Kurt Warren blanked. Uh, Sheldon Collings caught one fish. Uh, you know, Kevin Ledoux caught uh, three. Like, it, it, it was, was just, like it was so weird. Those guys. It, it was so weird, and even so, even Sprague, literally. So he caught eighteen pounds, literally caught five bass all day. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was the bites were it was there, but that it was such a fine line. I feel like between you know dramatic success and some real big ones, and and you had to be like right on top of that line. And Sprague like days two and three was exactly perfect on it and dialed for sure but, well you could also look at it where um the, the majority of the top 10 were pretty dialed for the conditions they found in practice right um and then it was almost like the lake was changing enough that by the final day whatever they were doing wasn't really the deal anymore you know what i mean like if maybe if they would have scrapped it and ran something else could have caught more fish or whatever it was um yeah so like even if the tournament had started two days earlier maybe just like if it started two days later you'd see a dramatic change like if it started two days earlier maybe sprague's not even you know maybe sprague and chris jones aren't even in the top 10 yeah and then yeah 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 i hear you on that um i mean again that's you and i didn't cover it so i don't really know but that's just i i thought it was kind of interesting there's not a lot of times um you can look at a tournament and you see guys that, um, 
like it would have been really interesting if this was a four-day event but where you can see guys kind of have that flip-flop one way or another like a really strong start taper off which usually kind of makes sense but on the other way where it's really terrible start and then come on strong you know you don't really see both ends of that spectrum in the top 10 if that makes sense yeah i uh i hear you for sure because usually it's like oh you kind of there kind of becomes a dominant bite and yeah you know yeah as the tournament turns on you kind of the guys who it, it, t- it typically is more like you start well and you keep going well as opposed to you mm-hmm. you you have that flip-flop like that definitely but i guess at the same time that's you know you could chalk it up as well that's spring bass fishing I'm like well yeah that's, that's a fair point yeah it definitely though you know the one thing that surprised me was just the overall lack of fish like Todd Castleland finished twenty sixth, he caught five fish, or five keepers the whole tournament. She was stingy, like no doubt. When remember when you and I covered that Hallman tournament? Mm-hmm. How I mean, there were so many fish. Oh like, yeah, it you was... would be sitting in a pocket, and a guy would be fishing one on a bed, and you'd see like three others on beds. It was mm-hmm. unreal, and you know, just like the even. On the final day, Holman's fishing a topwater. Like, the number of fish he caught was, I don't know, it was up there with, like, what you might see on a Champlain or something like that, on, like, a northern fishery, where you've got, like, yeah. lots of dumb fish. And <laughs> I, I'm just surprised that, I don't know, I thought the fishing was going to be better. Even even though you still saw some good weights, the final product was yeah, pretty decent. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I thought we'd see just more fish, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, overall catches across the board, I definitely would have guessed before this that they would have been way better. But, yeah, then again, everybody said it way in, man, this place is about to bust wide open. If we had been there this week, maybe everyone in the top 50 catches a limit and it takes, like, 20 a day to win, you know? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um. But anyhow, that uh, it is what it is. Um, I guess uh, on the Costa Challenge side... Uh, I think I got whooped up. Yeah, well, really, Kyle Cordiana uh, did some damage to your team. Oh, he did. I won my second one of the year, so I'm getting closer. Uh, kind of chipping away. Um, also, had the, for you. Had, the best, uh, had the best average finish of the year. Uh narrowly edged you out i think you averaged eighth place at havasu and i averaged mm-hmm. 7.3 in this one Ooh. um but anyway you had burge who finished 18th watson who finished 24th and kyle cordiano who finished 131st kyle <sighs> kyle Come on. you're killing us kyle come on kyle uh, and I had Chad Warren, not Kurt Warren, who I went on a whole thing about. Man, I wonder if Kurt Warren can catch him in the spring. Well, what do you know? <laughs> you did. He can. <laughs> I guess he can catch him in the spring. Uh, and uh, anyway, Chad Warren finished 12th. Sheldon Collins finished 6th. And Toby Hartzell finished 4th. Um, dude, Toby Hartzell. So, like, side note to that. You know, obviously he had a really good tournament. He didn't practice at all because he had back problems. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. First of all, if I'd known that, I bet I wouldn't have taken him. Second, that's pretty baller to be leading day one after not being able to practice and having back issues because I don't personally have back problems, but my dad has had back problems, and that can mess you up. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It uh, well in that in that day one article, he talked about how not um, not being able to practice probably helped him because he wasn't so down in the dumps from you know practice being bad or whatever it was. He just went out and went fishing. And yeah, definitely carried him because he had what nineteen. Uh, I I lost my tab. Nineteen something. I think it was like nineteen right, two what he led with. or something like that on day one. Um, nineteen four. I found. There we go. Yeah, that is correct. Um, which yeah, that's a really good derby for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I thought that was uh, that was interesting to to see and to have it shake out um, that way for sure. Uh, Jordan Osborne had another good finish uh, while we're on that subject. Yeah, he uh, did. 31st, caught 14 pounds on day one, uh, only one fish on day two. Um, but I think you and I are probably both in the a little bit surprised at how well he's doing camp. Um, and uh, he seems to yeah, be continuing yeah. to, uh, you know, catch them. So more power to him. Yeah, mad props. Um, one thing I wanted to just mention, and – I haven't talked to Sprague yet, and you didn't hear this from Chris Jones, but the way he was fishing his spinnerbait, almost fishing it up in the water column slowly, uh, was really cool. And watching his GoPro, which I've seen, and the videos are up now. You guys can take a look at them. It's epic. You can see how many fish bite the thing high in the water column. I That was really cool to me. Um and so, mm. it, it, from just from a technique perspective, uh, that was. It's not often you get to dial in that much to a technique where a lot of times it's like, well, yeah, he had one spot or, you know, he ran a couple of spots. Mm-hmm. And here, yeah, it was spots. I mean, look, granted, his magic dock was super magic. But <laughs> the way he was fishing that spinnerbait and filling his limits out elsewhere was definitely key, too. So, I would say watch that video think about what he said like it's pretty cool um and keep it in mind um but anyhow you want to talk about some bfls do you want to touch on santee cooper a little bit or kind of let that ride what's your uh Um, what's your feeling i think we can let that ride we'll we'll let's get into the bfls but the one thing i was going to say is uh you know you mentioned spinnerbaits played a big role on grand and i think kurt's actually writing an article about spinnerbait blade color he is. And, like, why you should do it. And it sounds like it would be pretty cool because if you flip through some of the pictures, you'll see, uh, like, Sprague and the one has, uh, I guess guys call it, like, an Oklahoma setup with the red Colorado blade and maybe a big willow blade or a big Colorado blade, depending on how dirty the water is or, you know, whatever you want out of your spinnerbait. But uh, there's going to be a little ditty about that coming up, which I'm pretty pumped to read because I've always kind of been curious about it. And, you know, we don't have that much super dirty water up here, nor do we really fish a lot, uh, you know, cooler dirty water when a spinnerbait can can be kind of dynamite mm-hmm. up here in Minnesota. So I, I'm, I'm kind of pumped to read about that and see what certain guys' takes are from across the country. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because, one, I have read the article. It's excellent. Um, I'm sure that when it is out, it may be out at, at this point in time, when you guys are listening to this, that it'll be a good Mm -hmm. story. But it definitely, so I throw in the spring on Champlain, I used to throw chartreuse and white painted willows a lot. 
And sure. granted, the fish are like a little more aggressive there, so you can probably move a bait a little faster. And I'm going to start experimenting with more some painted Colorado type things, but I'm a painted blade advocate for sure. Uh, I think it can make a big yeah, difference. Yeah, I get I guess I always have, but solely smallmouths. Like you said, uh, uh, double chartreuse willow blades or chartreuse and white. Yeah. Uh, some combination of that. I'm throwing but those for large smallmouths. I hear you. Oh, yeah. See, that's that's my only thing has always been painted blade, small. And now, well, have I caught largemouths on them? For sure. But it's not like something I pull out of the box and I'm like, oh, baby, I'm going to crush largemouths today on this thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To me, there's a certain color of mud that I see. And I guess stain mud, it's probably more on the mud side than the stain side. But there's a certain mm-hmm. dirty water color you get in the spring. And there was a lot of that at Grant. Uh, on a good year at Champlain in the spring, you'll get a lot of that. Um, you see it at Kentucky Lake, for sure. Uh, there's a certain water color, and I see that, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull out the painted blades. And honestly, that's one of the few times where I fish a spinnerbait that much. Like, I don't... In, you know, real clear water, I'm way more apt to throw a swim jig or a chatterbait or something like that than I am to actually pick up a, a spinnerbait. But mm. definitely there's a certain water color. I'm like, all right, here we go. And I, I think <laughs> that, I, I think, um, I don't know. I think it's kind of worth people continuing to think on that and expand on that. I think Kurt's article does that really well because... You know, there's a lot of there's other like clear water painted blade scenarios too, which I don't really dive into much. But you're talking about and which yeah yeah there are there's reasons to do that as well. Uh, but anyhow, more, okay, well, cool. Uh, more on that, I suppose, uh, to come. Yeah, we can we can dive into that at a later note. So uh, I guess that's oh, a that good could also to... so, as a side note. So uh, podcast at flwfishing.com. That could be a good oh. email topic. Because oh. uh, if you... Yeah, let us know. I mean, look, you don't have to give us all the juice, but if you want to give us some of the juice, I'd be curious about, like, some particular paint and blade combos out there. What you like, what you don't like, etc. Or if there's something you want to know about painted blades that maybe you don't find out in this article, let us know, and then we will totally take it upon ourselves to bug the people that might know more so than us and bring you guys the juice. Yeah, and if we can't, then we'll just pretend that one of us knows. Yes, we will totally fake it. <laughs> yeah. All right, what were you going to say, Kyle? We're going to talk about BFLs. Uh, yeah, there was a, just an absolute pile of BFLs over the weekend. Uh, so I'm just going to start ripping into these from no particular order, just the way they popped open uh, on my computer screen here. So we'll kick it off with uh, we had a Piedmont Division event on Smith Mountain, beautiful lake. Uh, Kevin Chandler won that one 20 pounds, 12 ounces and he pretty much solely targeted rocks on the west arm of the lake used a green pumpkin and black and blue uh, custom jig with the zoom super chunk on it just dragging the bottom I wish, we've mentioned it before in BFLs I wish we knew the makeup of like large mouse versus small mouse in some of these tournaments, you know what I mean? because like, odds are, you know, he could have caught a big smallmouth. Yeah, I would guess. So he said, like, west side, I think, or the west arm of the lake. That, to me, is probably a more largemouthy area. If I remember For in my sure. head, it's got a little dirtier water. But, mm-hmm. yes, Brian, who's not listening, <laughs> uh, 
ask that. I should go tell him after this. I t- I've told him a number of times. I'm like, hey, make sure to ask about small mouths and large mouths. He never asks. <laughs> um, I always want to know. Uh, anyhow, continue. We'll, we'll work on it. But uh, most of the fish he caught were three to eight feet of water. Um, he credits his 7.2 medium heavy level rod with a Revo STX reel. So hashtag sponsor plug for you, Kevin. Um, and that's about it. It was like one, one of the more short and sweet ways to victory in a BFL that I feel like I've read in quite some time. Yeah. You know, usually it's like maybe a little random, uh, a little of this, a little of that, maybe a little more detail to it. It was like, no, I just drug a jig across some rocks and they ate it. It's pretty, pretty much what he said. <laughs> um, in seventh, Justin Hicks, uh, who won the Coast Definitely Series championship last fall as a co-angler earned his first top 10 as a boater in this event. Ah, yes. So, yes. Anyhow, I'm continuing to really dig into the co-angler side of things. I know a lot of people are here for that kind of content. I, I like that you're you're getting into it. I, I appreciate it. Um, anyhow, um, other than that, that's <laughs> my only uh, note on that one. Uh, so then, BFL 2 was an Arky event uh, on Millwood. Uh, Wayne Dixon won it with 19 pounds, 10 ounces. Um, said he fished above the White Cliffs area. Never been to Millwood. Heard about it. So I maybe if heard, you know the I lake. had not heard about it. Uh, but, boy, they crushed him here. Dude, they straight sacked him. Uh, he was fishing some pre-spawn bass um, near Cypress Trees, Coontail, and Millfoil. And use a Texas rig, right bite baits, stick bait in four and a half to five feet of water. It's a very beige sentence right there. Very Brian uh, Johnson sentence in this press release thing. Um, but he, nobody the, the knows who we're talking about. about this, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> uh, the the funny thing to me is, <clears throat> so in practice he had um, he caught a big one and then another in one area and then he had another spot where he caught a lot of fish so he was talking to his wife about it and his wife's like well just go to where you caught more fish and soak it out so he's like all right i'll listen to my wife and he did and he won the tournament so <laughs> there you go folks pay attention to your wife uh they'll probably lead you to victory in a bass fishing tournament so you know don't ignore them so uh, a little over 100 boats in this tournament um and as far as i can tell about, I would say, 70-plus boaters caught limits. Dang. And uh, it took 12 pounds, 5 ounces was 34th place. Like, wow. So many good bags. Oh, yeah. I mean, three 19-pound bags, uh, first, second, third place. Yeah. Travis, Travis Harley bags. on the co-angler side weighed a 9-9 for the big bass. Sheesh. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Dang. So Millwood, from what I understand, it was really high a few weeks ago, and it came down, and then it kind of started coming back up kind of slowly, and I guess we just hit it, like, super right because uh, those fish were happy to bite. Uh, in fifth was Steve Bowman, who... I want to say is the Steve Bowman that does a lot of stuff for Bass, B-A-S-S. Uh, Never heard he of it. writes and does things with them. 
which I thought was interesting. Good for you, Steve. You're, you're making good life decisions. That's what I. That's all I want to say on that on that matter. Um, if we're talking about, <laughs> <But> yeah, otherwise. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I don't know exactly what Steve Bowman looks like. Uh, looking at his photo, maybe, maybe not. I got no idea. I bet it is actually because he's got some stories about him where I think he wrote them. Yeah, I bet it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, uh, Ronnie, if we're speaking of guys who fished this tournament who worked for Bass, uh, Ronnie Moore fished this tournament too. He did. Uh, and he finished 103rd and weighed one fish for three pounds, eight ounces. Hey, it's good Good for you, Ronnie. Good for you getting out there. Absolutely. Uh, anyhow, sorry, Ronnie. It happens. I've been there. For sure. <laughs> feel for you, man. Uh, anyhow, so yeah, what, what's our next one? I've definitely blanked in, in tournaments before, so no big deal. I doubt that, Kyle. <laughs> I blanked in one day of a college tournament once, and then that's when Jesse beat me by, like, a place. Gosh, you can't. I don't want to talk, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, let's not talk I don't about want, that. <laughs> um, uh, what do I got next? Ooh, we got Ryan Salzman. Salzy. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, choo-choo division event on Wheeler Lake. 25 pounds, 9 ounces. Hashtag hogs. Uh, so here's the deal. Wheeler Lake made a 72-mile run. 72-mile <laughs> run to the Gunnersville Dam tail race. And got to swinging away. Didn't get a lot of time in practice. Um, basically fished isolated rock piles up in that way um uh what do we got here oh so he used true bass little head swim baits uh with the true lock swim bait head four and a half inches green bean and 99 problems color love the name of it yeah they have a lot of really cool color names i like it Um, yeah Uh, but and they're uh, just in case anyone's wondering they're a hollow belly like they're a bass tricks essentially yeah, yes, 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 thank you. Uh, so I guess he, he started fishing around 9, uh, and then by 11, his cranking battery was dead. So he returned to the ramp early, uh, which the long run recharged his battery enough that he could keep fishing. <laughs> so then he flipped the marina slips um, and ended up culling twice uh, with two four and five or with a four and five pound largemouth so like really couldn't have written the script any better for how his day panned out in the scheme of things like it all essentially when guys say like it was my time yeah yeah that that was killer but the weights were um i would say worse than i thought yeah i i thought thought we'd see a little more spraying on wheeler i thought it'd be better yeah and only a seven pounder on the on the pro side was was big bass um i don't even know what it was on the coast side eight pounds so that's a little better but yeah still all in all yeah but salsey cracked him yeah uh ryan salzman i think pretty sure he guides down there uh and regular fishes all those tennessee river lakes he dude's a hammer he crushes them uh for sure i wonder if he's fishing He's not fishing the southeastern division this year. Um, I really feel like he should be fishing one of those divisions to try and get in on Gunnersville. Maybe he'll fish the northerns or the centrals or something. 
Uh, Ooh. But I would like to see him fish the championship there. He'd be an interesting, uh, interesting dude mm-hmm. to watch. For sure. Uh, let's see. I don't even know how many. So that's like maybe that's three BFLs down. So we'll go into <laughs> we'll go into this next one. Anthony Thomas won the Mississippi Division event on Ross Barnett. Twenty two pounds nine ounces. Dude caught them all in a popping frog. Specifically, a Spro bronze eye popping frog. Didn't say which size. I assume the sixty. You know, the regular maybe it was size. a smaller one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he basically fished um, patches of grass where the bass like to spawn and the brim like to spawn, and they just hang out there all the time in Pelahatchie Bay. Pella, yeah, Pelahatchie Bay. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he caught a fish that was chasing a brim and practice on a frog and it was, the conditions were cloudy. Figured it was going to be the same deal during the tournament. Only had eight bites, but I mean, 22 pounds on a frog would be a pretty sweet so, tournament. Yeah, day, that's pretty rocking. You only get eight bites. Yeah. <laughs> get it, Anthony. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for so, sure. Uh, and the weights were, I mean, the weights, I, I don't know like a whole lot about Ross Barnett. But twenty two nine, nineteen five, eighteen nine, and then it kind of tapered down. That's a pretty good weight. Still seem, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. I was, I was impressed. There's a ton of fish spawning on Ross Barnett right now, from what I understand. Mm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that that is probably a factor in, you know, this thing going so well. Um, ah. Also, uh, Brent Anderson picked up his second top ten of the year. Yes. As good, we continue to good note. track his progress <laughs> across every BFL division in the country. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's go to BFL something. Well, let's go to the tie. How about that? Ooh, fun. Dale Hollow, Mountain Division event, Matt Stanley, and Greg Trobaugh? We'll Love go it. with Trobaugh. That's not, that sounds fine. 20 pounds, 3 ounces uh, to win that event, which was presented by Navionics. Uh, basically, you had Stanley throwing uh, Alabama rig, and then they both threw had... rigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, good point. They did. Uh, and it, well, I don't know. They, they didn't really get into like a whole ton of detail. Um, Stanley was like fishing little specific spots where uh, there was like flat banks. And there was grass on the bottom, was, I guess, the, kind of the key for what he was doing. And uh, Trobaugh says he was fishing, like, transition areas, uh, kind of relating, like, off of points, staging areas, maybe we'll call them, and ran, like, a handful of those spots, caught his fish. So yeah. it was actually a pretty good derby as well, I, on the note of oh, yeah. good derby. Dale Hollow is good. Dale Hollow is yeah. good. I haven't Guess ever that a rig. I haven't ever been to Dale Hollow. You know, maybe that's where we should go. Maybe we should go to Dale Hollow before Cumberland for a couple Ooh. for a day or so. Uh, I've never turned down a fishing trip to places I've never been. It's a cool place. Anyhow, point that aside. So, uh, I've never been on Dale Hollow when the water level has been like this because the water level right now for this tournament it was like basically about summer pool. And I only have ever been there in the wintertime when it's way down low. So I could have, based on what I've seen where, like, there's sections where you've got, like, topped-out milfoil. I mean, it is gorgeous looking. 
but it's in like two Ooh. feet of water. I could definitely see, you know, a little bit fuller pond, that being some pretty legit stuff. So anyhow. Oh, for sure. There you have it. Um, let's see. I think that's all I had to say about that one. So we'll close out of that one. We're in the home stretch, Jody. We are almost done with BFLs. Uh, which these will go through quick because there's not a whole lot of info from them. So uh, let's do South Carolina Division event on Lake Murray, presented by Navionics. Jeff Jennings won it, 22 pounds, 15 ounces. I mean, this turn out like the uh, – I was very impressed with the top 10 weights, especially the winning weight. That's about what I would expect from Murray this time of year. Our boy David Williams. Uh, but I guess – yeah. Um, I guess Jennings – it wasn't a whole lot to go off, but he caught he used a creature style bait, fish near docks, and some wood, and did some damage. But yeah, David Williams, top ten, he had seventeen eleven. Uh, what else? Jamie Rampy didn't win this tournament. In case you're wondering, he finished twenty fifth. Yeah, what's up with that? I know. What happened, Jamie? What are you doing? Come on. <laughs> Stop being so bad at fishing. <laughs> Figure it out, man. Uh, yeah. uh, Big Bass was a 710 on the boater side, hmm. which is a pretty good one. I don't know what I expected from Murray, but that's pretty stout. Yeah, Murray has some giants, so I, I guess 710 is pretty big for sure, especially only one day tournament. I'm cool with 710. That's fine. Yeah. Now, I like Jody. Jenning, I like Jeff Jennings' whole getup. As a side note, uh, bandana, <laughs> the big poofy vest. Like, uh-huh. I just feel like he's kind of. I I don't want to say he's living life right for sure. I don't know him, but I like what he's bringing to the table on BFL day. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's a good look. If you haven't seen it, check it out on the BFL page. Yeah, I. I don't you'll, think I can swing that look, about. but I like that look. <laughs> um, now, I saved the most exciting and riveting one for the last, as I usually try to do. Basically, dude, um, I mean, this thing was a catch fest. You think we were, I mean, Millwood was good. <laughs> Check out Patoka, yeah. right? <laughs> dude, who's your division? Uh, I think they kicked it off on Patoka. Or is this their second one? This is Maybe their they first one. This is their first one. Uh, Jeremy Nepp. Won it with three bass totaling eight pounds, 15 ounces in an event presented by Navionics. Uh, so we got three bass. <laughs> the top 10, there were a handful of guys that caught two bass, several guys that caught one fish, but was a daggum stud. Like uh, you mentioned before we started doing this, the amount of quality fish caught in this tournament was unreal. Just a lack of quantity of fish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so big bass was over six pounds on both si- on both co angler and pro side of the event. Uh, mm-hmm. Only thirteen co anglers caught fish. Only one, only three co anglers caught more than one fish. Uh, <laughs> on the pro side, I'm pretty sure there were more four pounders than, or let's say four plus than two than two pound fish caught. Like, yeah, almost a hundred percent sure. So the weather, though, I guess was pretty terrible. It was like 35 degrees, windy, rainy. Uh, Nep fished points. He threw a Strike King KVD deep jerk bait, a homemade spinner bait with a skinny dipper trailer, uh, and that was kind of. He just ran a bunch of the, a bunch of points, uh, throughout the course of the day. 
and I guess, you know, without that third fish, <laughs> he he doesn't win it. Yeah, it's a good thing he is, caught that third fish. Yeah, he should tell Sprague about that. Catching that extra like fish. How, catch, <laughs> how that yeah. should be key. <laughs> oh, man, that's mean. No, no, sorry, no. Sprague. I'm <laughs> trying to be nice to him lately. Uh, uh, but, yeah, for real, um, tie, uh, tie for sixth was one bass for 6-9. Uh, below that, one bass for 6-4. Below that, one bass for 6-1 was ninth. And then one bass for 5-13 was 10th. So, like, these guys, I bet they're fired up, right? You catch a six-pounder, you're like, yeah, man, I got the first one. And then... Yeah, but they probably all caught them at, like, 2.30 in the afternoon after they literally they hadn't gotten a bite did. all day. <laughs> they're like, oh, gosh, this is the worst. I can't feel my hands. And then they accidentally didn't move their jerkbait for like a minute and a half, and their line starts. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe these guys were like attentive and crushing it all day, but gosh, oh, it looked horrible, dude. That's it's a grind. I want to, but yeah, I don't. I want to do this, but I don't want to do this. Okay, their next one's on Lake Monroe, then back to Potoka. They don't have to go to the Ohio Mm -hmm. River until. is August the eighth month? Yeah, until uh, August. Sure. So they've yes. got plenty of time to get over it, basically, uh, before they <laughs> plenty have plenty time to catch fish. Yeah, they they get Monroe, which will be good, or Lake Monroe, and then Potoka again, which in June will be good. Like, and of course they'll yeah, all want yeah. revenge. So should be good to go. <laughs> Gosh. Although this time it'll be like everyone one fish for. For two pounds. No, I mean the next time around, they're all going to catch limits. They're going to crush them. It should be. It should be good. It should be good. It. it I mean, honestly, man, if it'd been like next week, who knows? It could have been rocking on Potoka because Potoka's a pretty good lake. Like based on weights and stuff, usually, like usually it's not bad. Um, definitely got a glimpse at the quality that swims around in there yeah, it's for got show. Some big ones. We saw that. But that does it for BFLs. We're done. We made it through. And we don't have any this weekend because it's Easter weekend. So we get a little break. Yeah, so guys, nothing to talk about next week. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't uh, – can you think of anything else? Are you? Uh, do you have any uh, fun Easter-related plans? Are you going to uh, fish at all, anything like that? Well, I'll tell you what. I sort of just, like as of last night, sort of – well – I pretty much made my Easter plans. I didn't really have anything going on. The wife's going down to Iowa to her parents' house because they're moving at some point. So they're they're putting their house on the market, and they're packing stuff up. So she's going to help them do that. And I was like, man, I'm free, three-day weekend. What yeah, am I going to do? You, why would you help your wife and her parents move? I can't. I know. Yeah, no, It would be terrible. That, it would be terrible and also totally <laughs> unexpected. I can't see why anyone would do uh, that. Yeah. I was going to go sturgeon fishing this weekend, but it's supposed to be pretty chilly, and I'm like, eh, and about that life. So I'm actually going to take the boat. I'm going to Iowa. I'm going to stay with the wife and in-laws, but I'm going to try to catch me a bass for a couple days down in the warm, open waters of Iowa. Now, are you going to be doing this while they're moving? You're going to be like, all right, guys, good breakfast, peace out, and go fishing while they carry boxes and stuff? Because I'm not sure yeah, I see much. that actually happening. I mean, I have a lot of faith I, in you, Kyle, but like, eh. well, here's the thing: uh, they, 
they kind of know, like, I wasn't going to come down anyway and help. Uh, not that I'm, not that I'm a bad person or nothing. I just, you know, whatever. You guys do you. They got, you know, Emily's sister is going to be there helping move stuff. But yeah, I'm going to classify this. I'm going to classify this as a work fishing trip, though. Because I'm gonna try to throw that stupid knuckleball around, see if I can catch some fish on that. I oh, shouldn't call it stupid because I, I haven't really. I got a. Did you catch one on well, it? Well, no. But I had oh, a fish hook. You got on a bite. It. Oh, dead serious. Okay. So, this is the Yozuri knuckle, whatever it is. It's the goofiest looking thing ever. <laughs> um, anyhow, so I'm cranking it down some riffraff or winding it, and I get stuck, and. I mm-hmm, am mm-hmm. kind of wheeling a little bit, and I jerk to pop it out. And as I jerk, all of a sudden it starts moving off to the side. And so I set the hook, <laughs> and whatever I have is on for a second and pretty big and comes off. Now, I think I, like, snag oh. the side of an Asian carp. Okay, okay, okay. But it also could have been a bass. I didn't I come mean, back can't in say with a scale wasn't. or anything like that. I've got no idea. But <laughs> it contacted a fish. Guarantee it. Hey, all right, okay. I uh, I can get behind that. Yeah, I'm going to try to sling it around. You and I kind of mentioned maybe we could do some sort of, like, co-review on it, perhaps. So I'm going to try to throw that around. I got um, some of those Lunker, Lunker Hunt fetch swim baits from Mad Airy. I don't really know what the water temp's like down there, but I might sling it Probably around for a little bit. It might be, uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's southern Iowa. Below I-80 in Iowa is like a whole different world compared to northern Iowa and here. Like, they've had open water for quite some time down there. So I'd imagine we're at least looking low 50s probably, which I can play with. Plus, I got like a couple of those, uh, the Rapala, the BX Brat, uh, square bill crankbaits. I haven't really thrown around, and I haven't done a lot of square billing in general. Uh, there's some juicy stuff. I can, I can sling that around and probably catch a fish. So I don't know. It's, but that's what I'm telling. That's what I'm, well, I'm telling myself. That's why I'm doing it is because it's a work thing, right? I got to go do some recon on some stuff. I see. Yeah. And the in-laws know it. They're happy. I told them I'll help out a little bit in the morning because I'm not going to be in any big rush to get out and go fishing because it's going to be out cold. And, you know, I'm going to let that water warm up a little bit before I, before I get out the bigger issue i have is i don't know where i'm gonna go i have a handful of lakes in mind don't know exactly where i'm gonna launch the boat but we're gonna get after it all right well i think that's a good plan i'm like i like that it involves fishing i think that's key yeah basically i want to get warmed up before i come down to hang out with you the following week and we fish for a couple days you know what i mean like yeah i've gone fishing for day five you know, this year, but it's not really fishing. Though. It like sort of count. Yeah, it. It. I, I gotta. I want to go out now. I want to actually like, you know, stretch the legs a little. I got some rods to respool for sure because I have not been on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I was. I actually put in a tackle warehouse order this morning for just a bunch of random crap that I probably have, but I was too lazy to locate. So, whatever. Now I got you know more of it. What I hate buying on online is clips for baits. Oh, I, yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't use split rings. I take them all off. I go clips for my, uh, well, crankbaits mm-hmm. and stuff. And goodness, I can never remember what size it is that I what buy. What size? Yeah. And then, <laughs> so this one, this most recent order, I bought three packs of clips. I bought one size that I was pretty sure was the one that I needed. And then I bought two 
One in the size that I was pretty sure was what I wanted, and one size that I thought maybe wasn't what I wanted, but they were a different brand. They were like a little different model. I was like, I'll try these. They look kind of cool. Well, I try those. Mm. First of all, the ones that I was pretty sure was the right ones, they were too big. <laughs> the ones <laughs> that I was going to try, one of them was way too small. The other one was about the right size, but it looked way flimsier than I thought it was going to look. Uh, anyway, like halfway through the, my first day with them, literally haven't caught a fish on this thing yet. I've just been throwing a rattle trap around. I It opens up, and I see my Spro Ruku shag go, like 800 miles oh, away. Oh, no. I'm like, well, <laughs> crap. I hate these clips. <laughs> so anyhow, I've now bought three packs of clips. None of them are what I want, because... Two of them nice. suck, nice. and one of them's too big. <laughs> so, dialed. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, are you going to get out fishing this weekend? Uh, I believe so. Uh, they've got that Jetamarine Derby, uh, and I'm pretty oh, that's right. sure Kurt's going to fish it with me. Um, yeah, you should double-check with him, because he brought that up while we were on the phone earlier, and he was like, I think Jody thinks I'm fishing it with him, and I think I'm fishing it with him, but... He didn't know. I think he actually, I think his anniversary is on Saturday. Like, he got married on the Jetta a couple of years ago, and that's why well, he's, he's never fished it because stuff has always come up. But I feel like you should walk into his office and go, hey, dude, we're fishing this deal. We're going to win it, or we're going to top five, and tell him to quit being a bum. Yeah, I'm, I may have to do that because uh, I did not consider that. Uh, I pretty much was like, oh, yeah, he said he's fishing it, so I think he's fishing it. Um, but, yeah. So, I don't know. I haven't really been on any fish, so it might suck. But I'll fish uh, <laughs> Thursday, and I'll fish Friday, and I'll fish Saturday, and I'll fish Sunday, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out, you know? Nothing you can do. Uh, well, uh, I'll I'll look to stay informed about how your, how your adventures are. Yeah. Unfold. The only thing I can't decide is if I want to maybe run New Johnsonville or not. And I know, you know, I've mentioned this to you before, but, I, man, it's a long run to go from the dam to New Johnsonville. But if the weather's good, now's about the time mm-hmm. of year where I caught some ultra giants down there last year. And if you're going for the mm-hmm. gusto, you may as well go for the gusto, right? And, dude, I would say if you get some nice weather, I think do it. I think just make the run, man. On the other hand... If I was fishing it with you, that's what I would make you do. On the other hand, who wants to drive three hours in a boat when you could drive, like, you know, a lot less than that and sit down on Kentucky Lake and just start fishing and see what happens? So, ah, man, I hate making decisions. This is why being a co-angler is so nice because you're like yeah you just take me to the fish man i'll catch sure man let's go i love i I love being a co-angler uh i like fishing from the front too don't don't get me wrong but being a co-angler is the deal so much cheaper too let me tell you oh yeah oh yeah uh anyhow i think that's probably does i think that's probably a good show this week i would say i think so man i think we crushed it yeah i mean we got uh about 40 minutes of interviews. Um, we're at about 50 minutes now, so folks are going to have plenty to listen to if they're uh, maybe making a Hope drive. Hope you got somewhere to drive. To Easter or something <laughs> like that. Uh, maybe if you got a really long boat ride, feel for, and you're the co-angler, put some earbuds in. Just listen as your as your boat drivers, uh, you know, trucking you down the lake somewhere. <laughs> yeah, kick back and relax. Yeah. Be like, hey, man, learned all these great new techniques about spinnerbaits. What do you got in your box? <laughs> <laughs> what do you got I can borrow quick? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, I think that'll probably do it. Uh, FLW is all over the place. Um, FLWfishing.com, uh, FLW Fishing on 
YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, got some good videos up on YouTube of late. Uh, podcast at flwfishing.com for our email. Sorry, Kyle, I stole your job. Questions. That's cool. Questions, comments, concerns, send them in. Let us know about that blade color. Yes, please. Also, I'd be curious about vibrating jig blade color takes. Because Ooh. if you read the top ten patterns or top ten baits, you saw that Sheldon Collings has some. So, I'm curious on that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. At Kyle Lumber on Instagram. Your sturgeon photos are up now. So They are. They are. Uh, They're there. Get after that. Uh, at Jody Blanco on Instagram. I'm just going to look at your Instagram and see if there's anything. Oh, no, still just sturgeon photos, but they're good sturgeon photos. So No, but I it. saw that the the new issue of the FLW uh, magazine, Bass magazine, uh, has a on-the-water photo I took of Scott Martin. So that pro- that might have to make it on my, uh, on my Instagram. Oh, yeah, and now it costs $40 to follow you on Instagram? <laughs> Man, you really are big time. <laughs> Gets a cover I mean, shot, and all of a sudden, some... there's a paywall on your Instagram. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know just just steadily climbing up in life. You know what I mean? Basically, man. Basically, <laughs> here's the thing. You know, you probably should put that on Instagram if you want a lot of high school kids to follow you. Like, oh, dude, so many. And I mean, yep, look, I know I Scott now. Martin has a diverse fan base obviously superstar like himself he would but a lot of them are also very young so yes you know if you uh if you want if you want that you know dynamic i'd say you got the photo for it for sure <laughs> thank you um, but yeah it was a pretty balling photo let's be real i know the only thing that bugs me is it's it's softly out of focus well kyle you gotta get better at taking photos then hey man Things happen when you're on the water and, and you see hogs coming up jump. You know how when you're looking through the lens and you can watch the demeanor of the guy fighting the fish and you know the fish is coming up, right? Like they squat, they get the rod down in the water, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, baby, I got I to gotta zoom out a little bit. My autofocus lock on my camera, my camera definitely needs to be serviced because it, it does some stuff. Well, it didn't. Uh, I focused it, and I guess when I heard the beep that it focused and I hit the autofocus lock uh i thought i was holding it down i guess it didn't or whatever and then that's what you get but you know whatever i'm on the cover of a magazine or my photo made the cover of the magazine i ain't complaining yeah i gotta hug dw for probably that selection if you want to complain about stuff though like so you know that chris johnson photo i took yeah Um, yeah like my focus on that it's basically on the stern of the boat as opposed to on the anglers because I was so far away you're, and my focus... And you were in, like, super rough I mean, conditions, oh, too. I mean, yeah, I was in, like, four easy footers, to be taking photos. Uh, yeah. Running the trolling motor, hop... I mean, look, it was a miracle that any of it was in focus. But, just like you, like... <laughs> you know, if I, if my focus had been, like, two feet farther toward the bow... Oh. Amen. I mean, there's Amen. just that... There's just a tiny little bit left on the table. Um, hey, one side note. This might be the first appearance of garmin graphs on the cover of flw bass fishing magazine um in case anyone really first wants and to, last yeah probably but <laughs> probably. in case anyone really wants to get into that like it happened <laughs> just fyi um mm-hmm. although i don't really know no nah, i don't think there was any photoshop done on those i think it's just letting them live their no, life no i think 
I'm a I'm a pro, so I had it out of focus enough that you couldn't read Garmin. Was really what I was going yeah. for. Yeah. Oh man, you're yeah. good. <laughs> um, anyhow, that's why you planned it that way. I see. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> totally. All right. Totally. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess this has been an excellent episode. I've certainly enjoyed it. Uh, folks, thanks for listening. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. If anyone is still listening, thank you uh, <laughs> for the rambling. Enjoy Easter weekend, everyone. And uh, with that. I'm going to go catch the bass. See ya.